0: live from naples this is the morning break with jane ritter
1: morning from a lovely sunny naples i hope you're well today is in fact world meteorological day 2023 so thinking about the weather this morning i'll be joined by wendy Arnold, Director of ELT Consultants.
0: Live from Naples, this is The Morning Break with Jay Ritter on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio.
1: Good morning, everyone. As I said, it is, oops, sorry about that. We're not finishing, no, we're not finishing just yet. We're just about to get started. And this morning I am and comp- contemplating the weather. I know I've got, it's spring here. I can see that my apricot tree has survived. It has some flowers. So I will have some fruit later on in the summer. I can see that the wisteria is just about to explode. But I'm also wondering, is this not all a little bit too early? And is it not just a little bit too warm? Anyway, their thoughts. I know uh, the, the motto for World Meteorological Day is early warning and early action. And I think if you listen to Harry Waters in the afternoon, he's an absolute pioneer for this. But I do think it's time we take action. That is, of course... If we still have a world but that is another thing to contemplate or perhaps just not to think about anyway as i said this morning i am joined by the incredible amazing wendy arnold um, her life is just an adventure and i know you're going to enjoy listening to her her story her work um, i'll leave that to her um, wendy i'll just Good morning good morning Jane How are you I'm really really well and it's lovely to have you here um, I know that we've got a, a huge adventure to, to, go, to get through in an hour <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean the question that I do ask people and and uh, I think when we when we met and had a, had a chat it was a brief chat but your your life has just been incredible you are um, an international uh, phenomenon you're everywhere and um i was just thinking or looking at um at your website i think it, your your mission is really to, you're a global group and um you value diversity you're passionate about educational outcomes and do this mainly through english language teaching but As I have noticed, there's a lot more to that than just English language teaching. Before we talk about that, um, Wendy, could you just tell us a little bit about your ELT journey? Where did it start?
2: (laughs) Well, I suppose it started in Hong Kong. Um, We were posted there with my husband's job. He's a civil engineer and we went there in 1990. And I I was very fortunate, as lots of people were in in those days, and I probably still are, that you can get help for, you know, at home. So um, that left me with my children at school and with me with nothing to do. (laughs) <laughs> because while we lived, in- lovely. I was a yes. I was a full time you know, mother, um, but with help at home, that meant that I had time on my hands. And I'm not the bridge, golf playing brigade or coffee mornings. <laughs> no. And so I, I wanted to do something meaningful. Um, and so I um, started to teach. Uh, in an after-school activity in our local state school which is just down the road um, which I really enjoyed doing there were classes of about 45 children and I used um, I used films like Wallace and Gromit uh, just little clips yeah I really enjoy things like that so um, so I thought okay I can cope with this but actually yeah I I kind of want these children to be communicating as well Uh, I need to Mm. understand how to do that. Um, Earlier that year just after we arrived I had actually decided to um, start a a brownie group at my daughter's um, school because there wasn't one and I wanted them to have that experience so I did the Girl mm. Guide training, which is task-based. Um, and I thought, uh, I have 35 girls, and anybody who has ever done Girl Guides or Boy Scouts will know you have to work through activities in order to end up with a badge. And it's very um, satisfying it's to get quite the quite structured, the yeah. yeah. Oh, it's very structured, <laughs> yes. Mm. It's activity, mm. topic-based. It's very structured, and I thought, That's the kind of thing I really want to do. Um, And so uh, the the headmaster, luckily, at the school, agreed with me. And he said, well, then why don't you come and be with us a little bit more often during the day? And I thought, OK, that's interesting. So I did. And so I (laughs) was teaching. um, There were four parallel classes, primary one to primary six. And basically, he gave me free reign to do whatever I wanted. Um, So I would plan six classes for six grades and then just repeat it four times. And I had one period a week with every single class in the school. Um, And I really enjoyed that. Uh, And again, It sounds
1: sounds exhausting but
2: (laughs) yeah well I was young in those days Jane (laughs) and I was very (laughs) enthusiastic Um, and so I thought oh well this is this this is more like it but I I think I need some skills Um, because meanwhile my mother who is a trained primary teacher was saying well that's all very well but how do you know that they're learning anything And, and I thought well that's perfectly true I think I need some skills and at the time the only course I could do was the British Council through the British Council was the CELTA so I did that mm. um, in Hong Kong uh, which was absolutely useless for teaching young learners uh, so at least I knew yes. what wouldn't work because it was really PPP and it was yeah, you know, just not gonna not gonna work I didn't like it at all uh, I passed it but you know Uh, it was just not my thing and um a couple of years later they brought out the cell till which i loved Mm -hmm. and I, i so i was on the pilot of the cell till and i met this wonderful woman called melanie williams who is just great and she uh i think she was the designer the writer for the cell till and she came over to Hong Kong um, as part of the evaluation of the cell tilt. And I met Mel. I, I, and um, yeah, and she said, well, now you've done this, why don't you do the <laughs> Masters at York? <laughs> mm. Which, uh, yes, but I said, yeah, I, uh, I haven't got a, a first degree, which is the other thing that I, I went from mm. A-levels. Uh, but by this time, after you know, i I'd, I'd, I was actually I'd probably been, been working teaching. as a teacher, yes, for eight or ten years by this time. By the time I did the cell till, and Mel said, yeah, mm. but you're qualified by experience, Wendy." I said, "What, really?" And she said, "Yes, you did your A levels. That's fine. You know, um, apply and you know, let's let's um, let's see you there." And so I did, and that was the beginning of. Um, a long journey for me. Uh, sort of, you know, <laughs> 30 years in ELT um, and gaining more skills and becoming more and more excited about the whole process and meeting fabulous other ELT people like uh Gail Ellis and um you know who really inspired me because I love stories as well and meeting yeah. Gail she came to Hong Kong as well and um, one of her books that she wrote with Jean Brewster was our, one of our core books. So, uh, yep. and then, then the handbook, of course, the stories was fantastic yes. because that and that I think that, that is own.
1: now that's now freely downloadable, although it's yes, a slightly it different yes. version. I mean, I have the handbook somewhere, that was a Bible really, okay. um, but I think yes. it's, it's now publicly available, which I think is a fantastic thing.
2: Yes, for and of teachers. Course, now you, you know, for teachers who say, oh yes, but I can't get those books, actually you don't need them, you just need to um, <laughs> go to YouTube, and so many other teachers have done YouTube storytelling with those books, that mm. you can get the you can get the text from the books and design something around that yourself. So I've never worried about the books being out of date. And also using the strategies that Gail uses in those books for unpicking the language and the skills. Um, And once you've got that, then you can do it with any books that you want. So it's it's absolutely fabulous. Um, and I also
1: think now that now that stories are evolving and they're you know cult, choosing a more culturally appropriate book for your learners um, makes more sense. Really, <laughs> the, yes, I
3: think there so. are stories yeah. from all over the
1: world. Yeah.
2: Yes, and of course we're getting completely know. off track. Let's stick. Yes,
1: we could do a whole, a whole radio show on this <laughs> on, on we
2: stories. Well, invite, and, yeah, all the work um, invite Gail. <laughs> Well, Gail and David Valente is fantastic as mm-hmm. well. And Sandy Morales' work, um, mm-hmm. you know, and Nair Ibrahim, all of that is just fabulous. Um, and, you know, influenced by uh, people that started this you know, using stories um, a long, long time ago. It's not something new, but the way it's being new. done mm-hmm. now is new. Yeah. yeah. Definitely.
1: So from Hong Kong, mm. where did how, where did your adventure move to?
2: Well, yes, so so um, so I, I got my master's and um, and then a large publishing house heard about me whinging about course books and invited <laughs> me to write a course book for grade four to six, which I did, um, which was really an adventure. Um, and then I decided to i didn't know how much longer we were going to be in hong kong so i decided to uh, do a PGC there um which mm, hit and miss uh but anyway another piece of paper to say that you know i could do what i said i could do uh but obviously you have to practice what you preach um we we were then mm. posted to uh las vegas of all places which My was goodness a little bit bizarre <laughs> and where I could not work <laughs> said that very clearly on my passport not allowed to work so uh, I said to my husband well you know I, I, I need to do something um, our children are all at, in the UK at university or finish and um, I was very much involved with Aya young learner uh, and teenager special interest group the ylt sick, mm-hmm. um where I was joint coordinator with uh, Nikki Joseph for many years and I did various roles discussion coordinator and events coordinator and with my I think it's events coordinator hat on uh, and the British Council managed to organize some really fantastic events around Asia we we did an, an event in Hong Kong Singapore uh, we did some in Seoul and China and mainland and Malaysia and then we did um, a tour around the Gulf uh, countries um, so you know it actually I a TEFL I would recommend to anybody wondering what's my next step is get involved mm. as a volunteer and get to yeah. meet People, like-minded people um, and network and it really does help um, and it, it inspires and it's just getting better and better and better I mean the work that David Valente has done on uh, T Sick is just incredible he's taken it to a huge new height uh, of uh, professionality and um He's, he, he's just amazing. I'm so impressed. Yeah,
1: I think you both you both share the same passion for um, valid qualifications, and we yes. probably talk about that all the day as well. Um, yes. I, I I noticed that you you mentioned the PGC was not um, mm. not what you thought it would be. And I think I've I've noticed our teacher talk radio colleagues have a lot of a lot to say about training in general um, at PGC level, and perhaps yeah. there is room for some improvement there. Um, I think for ELT, um, sadly, the YL extension or the CELT YL has actually yeah. been shelved, which is, um, is a huge gap and how it will be filled. Yeah. Is maybe well, you have a suggestion for that, Wendy.
2: <laughs> well no, I mean they, they, they've they've um, they've changed it to PLT and SLT, but um, and, and I understand why that was done because actually the majority of the teachers that need the support are hmm. common European framework of reference cephyr around A2 and a CELTIL you really need to be much higher. You need to be a you know, native like C1. So, you mm. know, it's it basically the till which I did, you know, it's for privileged and as is the CELTA, it's for privileged people that can afford to pay for it. Uh, it's mm-hmm. very expensive to do. So, um, and it takes a lot of time. I was lucky that I did mine over three months. I could work part time, uh, but oh, you know, wow. people that do it, do it in a month it just does your mm. head in uh, I, I couldn't have done it in a month it 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 wouldn't have stuck nothing would have stuck inside my head because it's just too <laughs> crammed you know you need to have which is why when I design courses now I like to um I you know I I, I suggest very strongly that, that that they're delivered extensively not intensively so You you have input, and then you have time to go and experiment and do something in your classroom and then reflect upon that before you have more input. This trying to Mm -hmm. cram everything into a month is, yeah, a bit bold.
1: I I don't know. I I mean, having worked as a tutor on CELTAs, the one thing I noticed, certainly on the one-month intensive course, a lot a lot of learning <laughs> takes place. When I've done part-time courses, mm-hmm. I'm a bit astounded at, you know, I'm, you know they're still you know, putting their lesson plan together the night before they're teaching. And really? I kind of think, well, ah. you've had a week to do that. Um, it is, it is str- mm. strangely surprising um, yeah. when you have time, whether you use it or not, it's um, a whole, yeah. whole different... Co- I mean, it, it could actually be... Grounds for research when when Zeltes are up and running properly.
2: Well, Um, no,
1: it's curious.
2: (laughs) Well, I'm working. There are other factors, though. There, yeah. Yes, so so I I think it's probably the personality of the participant as well. Exactly. um, Yeah.
1: Age, (laughs) what they've got going on in their lives. There's lots of factors. Yes,
2: exactly. So, I mean, I did mine when my children were. A bit older, and they are not so needy on me. I don't think I could have mm-hmm. done it when they were younger and they needed me more. Um, mm. So I—I I would not recommend doing any kind of studying. In fact, my children now—my eldest daughter was sixteen when I did my masters, and she said, "You were more interested in your masters than you were in my GCSEs." <laughs> and it's like, oh, yeah, maybe I didn't—maybe I didn't quite get the timing right for that Um, because she's probably right because I was so stressed to to get that out Mm -hmm. of the way Um, but yes I mean one of the projects that um, uh, we're working on at the moment is designing uh, a MOOC uh, and using a flipped approach for teachers Mm. in Indonesia Um, and this is part of a uh, Indonesian and British partnership France project, right? And um, mm-hmm. and and it is just a pilot to see if it works. So there are three hundred teachers, and basically they're going to have a MOOC of about half an hour input, um, and then a week later they are going to have a post MOOC on Telegram app um, discussion mm-hmm. about what they've learned and there'll be activities and there'll be things that they have to do while they're actually doing the MOOC and then there'll also be activities during the post um, MOOC and during that post MOOC they're going to have to think about an experiment they want to try using technology either in their classroom face-to-face or remotely depending on the devices that their students have so this is for secondary school um, students Um, now, this is an issue about uh, equality. In in that, um, I... not all the children have got devices. And so, mm. when we're talking about technology, and this came out very clearly during the pandemic, how many children, all over the world, including the UK, were basically <laughs> cut off from education because the absolutely. You know, the, families didn't have enough devices uh you know if they're more than two or three children in a family you have to have enough devices for all of them Mm.
3: including
2: the parents so um so what we're trying and the parents are often working themselves
1: online exactly
2: Um. yeah yeah (laughs) so you know what we're trying to do is to find um and telegram seems to have it the device with the lowest that can be used with the lowest bandwidth, or insecure, uh, the, not, not insecure, um, unstable uh, Internet. So it can be used for de- with data, mobile data or Wi-Fi. Um, and wow what we want to see is how many teachers can manage to use a bit of technology we do have a plan b for the children that don't have technology so that they're also Mm. able to do something and then we have um we're setting up a community of practice um again through that telegram uh app which um is
1: i think um, for some of our listeners like myself until i really spoke to you yeah. i didn't really understand what telegram okay was well, and how it works because i okay. don't use it but all
3: hmm. right
1: i so, think
2: it... um, i think lots of people know whatsapp uh mm. that seems to be the most popular worldwide which is an instant messaging app which you can uh chat with your friends but you can also make little video clips and audio clips and um, so which is you know how lots of families connect now I have to thank my colleagues in Uzbekistan for introducing me to telegraph which is what they use there and uh, so that's when I first came across it and I also uh, saw it, one of the Advantages which I have not cracked yet, but I am going to is that you can use (laughs) bots, (laughs) which teach bots. Teach bots. Teach bots, yes. So so you can actually program a teach bot to answer uh, frequently asked questions. And so somebody in um, Samarkand actually had set up um, the whole IELTS training with this um, TeachBot for their students in their language school. And I thought, gosh, that's got so much potential. I'm not techie enough to know how to do this, but I just want to keep mm. this in mind for the future. Um, now, I, 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 I did try it, and I invested quite a lot of money in trying to get TeachBot designed for me but i haven't succeeded <laughs> yet but i i will do one day but i think mm. that having uh, an instant messaging app that has takes the lowest amount of data from your uh phone and um it doesn't crowd your device with its memory because everything is up in the cloud somewhere um okay So it's cheap to run, cheap to access, uh, has a huge amount of data that you can store in the cloud, Um, files and photos, and um, you can have, uh, at the moment, you can have 35 uh, people attending a live video broadcast, but if it's just audio, it is countless. It, you you don't have a number. It's as many as you want. Millions. Millions. It's extraordinary. Now governments don't like um, it.
1: You're using... No, um, I... I, I <laughs> the,
2: the, like the, the story,
1: but the story behind it is it was... Um, it, I think it was built by
2: a Russian. Um, yes, there are two Russian designers. Yes. They don't live mm. in Russia for all kinds of reasons. They live in Dubai. Um... <laughs> They um, And they are adding more and more features the whole time. And one of the features that, um so at the moment, another project that my company's uh, working with on is in Venezuela. And we've been training mm. 400 teachers there using Telegram. And again, we use the flipped approach uh, with asynchronous uh, work which is delivered through Telegram. And then there is a synchronous session as well. Um, and so, there, the the thing that they've sort of said, ooh, compared to other uh, ways that we have trained teachers, there isn't a breakout room, uh, and that's true. Mm. There is there are no breakout rooms, but we are experimenting with having subgroups within. Mm. So at the moment, our training is we have thirteen training groups, each with thirty five to forty participants, and we're experimenting with um, some of those groups having subgroups for the breakouts, so that there is interaction between the participants. Otherwise, it's all done in the chat box, um, Mm. either through text or little or audio or little video clips. And we're experimenting with different ways of making sure that our participants actually get the uh, information for the flipped approach. So uh, some can get the PowerPoint that we create, some can get the PDF, but the the most successful way is screenshots of the slides because they're like photographs. So we we Mm. use all three ways, um, and also audio recordings by the trainers to do summaries as well. Uh, Again, we have to use a mixed media approach for, for this until, you know, and each group is different, depending where they are in the country. Some in the rural areas need to have the screenshots only, whereas ones who are in a city, they have better access to a more stable internet.
1: Wendy what kind of what kind of devices do they have?
2: They have are they
1: mainly um, working with phones or yes,
2: for, yes phones phones mm. uh, both for the Indonesian project and the Venezuelan project and actually I'd say our sub-Saharan projects uh, Androids Android phones are uh, forget about laptops and things like that. very few people have those. They have Android phones. And nearly everybody seems to have at least one in the family will have an Android. Mm -hmm. In Venezuela, some people actually borrow them from that family or even neighbors in order to take part in our training. So, you know, it's not easy for them, but they, you know, they, they ask for permission to use the, their family or their neighbors phones once a week for the training and um because it doesn't cram your phone full of memories you know your memory stuff people don't seem to mind so that's That's just
1: extraordinary yeah um and it's also reaching people who wouldn't normally have access to to training yes i'm going to just take a A quick break for the news, Wendy, Um, and we will be back in about um, five to six minutes. Okay. Um, See you in a
2: minute. Okay.
0: This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you, too, through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles, and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.wetheslacgroup.co.uk to find out more.
3: Are you looking to take your phonics practice forward? Then Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised is the programme for you the leading provider of schools and children's homes for children with special educational needs
0: this is teachers talk radio and this is teachers talk radio news with gail glenn
4: research which was carried out by the national day nurseries association has found that 95% of nurseries in england don't have enough to cover basic costs following the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic. Nursery finances will face further squeeze in April as a result of soaring heating and electricity bills, a further 6.6% rise in the national living wage and a 1.25% rise in national insurance. Emma White, owner of two private nurseries in Suffolk said, Most of our staff are on minimum wage or above, and these payment increases are so well deserved. They have worked all the way through Covid. What makes it difficult for us is that they are not being mirrored in the amount the government gives us and they are expecting nurseries to take the hit personally when there is very little left to pay themselves. We have had to keep doors and windows open in the nursery for ventilation because of COVID, which means the heating has to be kept on. Within months, our heating bill has gone up by a third and will go up again in April. A government spokesperson said, the early years of a child's life are the most crucial, which is why we have invested more than 3.5 billion pounds in each of the last three years to deliver the free childcare offers including the 30 hours a week for working parents. John Beattie, former Scotland rugby star, has slated Scottish teaching unions for being responsible for Scotland not being better at rugby than other parts of the UK. He said, we are a small rugby-playing country. Teacher strikes in the 70s and 80s, I think, killed off much sport in schools in Scotland. His comments followed six Scotland team players being disciplined for a post-match trip to an Edinburgh pub after their Six Nations victory over Italy in Rome on March 12th. John Beatty's comments have prompted a healthy debate about the direction Scottish rugby should take and come despite the last teacher strikes in Scotland being in 1985 to 86 in protest at pay and cuts by the Tory government under Margaret Thatcher. This has been your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn.
0: This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio.
5: Hello, this week I'm going to look at technology and supporting us getting lunch. Why? Because I asked every teacher I met last week if they had lunch regularly and most of them said no. The reason being they're too busy most days. Now, right off the bat, I'm not gonna discuss any types of diet. This is just about getting lunch. Simple ways to get calories in to power the body. As always, I've tested these things out for you and added my humble opinion. 1st and with zero extra cost using the technology of the freezer. You can freeze a sandwich. I quite like this idea as it stopped me eating a sandwich in the car on the way to a school. If I know a sandwich is there, it calls to me. Calls to me. It being frozen meant a hat to wait. The downside is making the sandwich. However, throwing 10 slices of bread down, adding filling and then into a Ziploc bag would be quite easy on a Sunday evening. You might need quite a bit of space in your freezer though. Next, I used the trusty thermos mug and noodles. I thought it was a good idea, but unlike a sandwich that you can eat on the go, I needed a fork and then had to consider not dripping it on my tie. so I actually had to stop and eat. So not as simple as a frozen sandwich, but I did have a hot lunch. Now hold on to your hats. I tried this again. I did enjoy a hot lunch so I smashed the noodles up before I put the water in the second time around. That day I drank my lunch. No need to find a fork, lid off, quick swig of noodles, genius. The downside I can see is washing the mug. I know I'll find it on the draining board waiting to be washed when I want to get out the door. Finally I tried a snack bar. You can get these quite cheap online and you can find them to match most dietary needs. It was definitely the easiest option but would be the most expensive over time. For me, it didn't feel as lunch-like, if I was being totally honest, but it did the job of rapid calorie input on the go. So, in conclusion, if you're not having lunch, why not try one of these ideas? You will definitely feel better for it. P.S. I googled International Lunch Day, and it actually exists. However, it's on the 10th of March, so we've missed it. Gutted. As always, don't forget to check out the TT Radio Twenty Twenty Two Twitter feed. Tell us what you have for
0: your lunch. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio.
1: And we're back, um, Wendy. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I think I'm looking at our guest. I think it's Harry Waters. It's Harry Waters. Uh, okay. Is Be the Change? Yeah. Um, I might try invite. JM is in Sri Lanka.
3: Oh, wonderful.
1: I've invited JM, because I'm not really sure it is, Harry. Um, I'm not really sure if they can join as a speaker, if they're still here. It would be lovely to know um, exactly what they're doing, though. It sounds... um,
2: Harry, water. Okay. Okay, okay. he Uh, can't
1: join now, but he may. Later. okay, that would be really interesting. Yes, Harry Waters is um, is be the change. He's uh, uh, very much for the environment.
2: <laughs> oh,
1: okay. And okay. he's my he's my Wednesday wombat colleague mm. because for the for Teachers Talk Radio on a Wednesday we're known as the Wednesday Wombats, okay. and his program is the drive home in the afternoon.
3: Okay,
1: and I think. Cool this afternoon, if I'm not correct, Harry, you've got Anna Hasper joining you, which I'm very much looking forward to listening to. Yes. Um, Talking of of that, with ELT consultants, you have about 60
3: people who work
1: with you around the world. Can you tell us a little bit more about
2: that, Wendy? Because it's extraordinary. Yes. Okay. Well, that sort of started by accident, um, not long after we, um, so many years ago, when uh, and I've already said that uh, we, I was working with Aya Teffel and um, YLT Sig, and the British Council, mm. um, and we did uh, a tour around the Gulf, um, I met up with Carolyn Bradshaw. Um, who was in the first cohort of the Masters in Teaching English to Young Learners at York? I was in the third um, cohort of that. And um, together with her and Noreen Kaplan Spence, who worked at Pilgrims in Canterbury, uh, there were three of us ladies, and Martin Goosey, who worked for the British Council, I think in Spain at the time. Mm-hmm. And Spain, so, yeah we yes so we worked um we did this tour and afterwards we decided it would be really nice if we had a website together the three of us ladies um just showcasing the work that we did and because of that website i started to get inquiries uh about doing other projects but which needed many many more people i couldn't do it on my own So I started to invite um, colleagues that I'd met over the years, which is why I say networking is really important. And we did a big project in Saudi Arabia and another project in um, UAE. And so at that point I said to Coraline, well, it kind of makes sense if we add their experiences um, onto our website as well. And that was the beginning you know we started with three of us and then went to, to went up to 20 something then 30 something um, and we're, now we're 60 so um, and they are all colleagues that i've met or i have been recommended over the years that have worked with us on different projects um it's anna hasper from dubai because anna is one of yes our, she is. yes okay so yep. anna is one of our <laughs> long-term um associates um, mm. and she's worked on projects with us um and i met anna on a project in palestine actually um when we were training together in palestine and then she then she came and she has worked in the uae and she's worked in tunisia with us as well um, so, you know, we're, we're just very lucky, very, very privileged to be able to meet so many fantastic people who all have the same passion, which is teachers are the best, the most important resource in the classroom. Forget about mm. fancy course books, which, of course, are important, but if you don't know how to use them, they're, they, they're of no value whatsoever whatsoever. It's the teacher who makes it all happen, so yeah. uh, developing teachers is my passion, and all of our associates have the same passion.
1: And your your E L T consultants has an incredible reach. I mean, uh, just looking at are there any countries where you're not where you haven't done,
3: <laughs> um, you haven't worked.
2: <laughs> <I'm> just, <laughs> The developed countries, <laughs> we don't. You're not going to find us there. You're going to find us mm. in developing countries uh, reaching out to teachers who would not normally get the opportunity to uh, you know, have uh, CPD at the level that we hope to be giving. Um, and we work mm. a lot with the British Council, but not just with the British Council, because obviously, I mean, their reach is huge as well. Uh, Windle Trust International, which is based in Africa, in uh, Sudan, and Uganda, and Kenya, uh, we work with them, um, and they have, uh, South Sudan, they have a huge reach within those countries, um, and it's hmm. important not just to uh, work with, with, be the supplier to one organization, obviously, uh, uh, but you know, we're British, we're not all British, actually, but it's a Mm. a British-based country, uh, company, and so it it makes sense to work with the British Council, and a lot of us Mm. um, have been trained through the British Council, you know, CELTAs and DELTAs, and um, so it makes sense.
1: Yeah, I I noticed Nick Nick Peachy does quite a lot of work with you, and... He was my, one of my old colleagues here in Naples. So um, oh. it is a very, very small world, isn't it? <laughs> it is <indeed. laughs> the connections that, that you make. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, Nikki Joseph, actually, you mentioned her earlier, was my first radio program guest. Um, okay. Lovely, Nikki. Well, I think we just giggled our way through it. <laughs> but, well,
2: yes, you would, you would giggle your way through it. With Nikki, okay. you do. <laughs> yes, you do. So, Nikki and I were joint coordinators on IATFL's YLT SIG, and we had great fun together. Yeah. So, she was, no, she was based um... in Portugal at the time, and I was still living in Hong Kong at the time. So, uh, we used to alternate with meetings, um, SIG meetings, who would go to which ones.
3: Mm.
1: That kind of makes sense for you. Yeah. And, well, now she's over in Australia. And um, and now where are you based? You are in the UK
2: now. Yes, I am in the yes. UK. Um, yes, definitely. My feet are grounded. And um, my my husband actually retired last Friday and um, has been delighted that I'm not you know, packing my bag and going off here, there and everywhere. Because actually, since the pandemic, I've actually been able to continue my work Uh, remotely um so i think he's sort of thinking well there's absolutely no reason for you to (laughs) pack your bag and go anywhere um but
1: being the adventurous person you are i mean how long will you you think you will be able to stay at home wendy um you're usually off somewhere
2: (laughs) yes yes exactly um well i don't know to be honest i think now with so many very very capable associates i'm very happy to pass those reins of the traveling bit and the face-to-face bit to somebody else and i can stay at mm. home and do more logistic stuff or writing or planning i'm happy to do that i mean i th- i think mm. i've been i've had an incredibly uh adventurous life already i mean i was born in peru brought up in ecuador um and with my husband's work we've lived in egypt and in hong kong and so and then las vegas, las vegas, las vegas. <laughs> how, how did you I, mean, uh, I, I can't imagine you living
1: in las vegas no anyway, well how did you find it
3: it was
2: it was uh an experience, so he was pre-positioned for a very big water project. He's a water engineer. Mm -hmm. And um, so we, that um, and Vegas, of course, being in a desert um, and having all those casinos that kept multiplying even while we were there, uh, they have an issue with water. And there's a big lake called Lake Mead and the water mm. level keeps going down and down and down. And there is a big resistance to recycle water there. So um, anyway, despite being there for 17 months, the, pro- the project never actually happened because of course then the world crashed with the, uh, the big, what uh, was that thing?
1: Ah, uh, oh, when the, the, yes, the, big, the stock market the, crashed. The, yeah. the big crash, yeah. yes. Yeah.
2: So there we were in this huge house on our own. Um, I call it a Barbie house because it was literally made of looks like cardboard or plywood. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And if somebody goes out the front door and closes it, the whole house rattles. So it's just, yeah, incredible. Um, So, uh, you know, once you've been down the strip a few times and you've been to, you know, three du Soleil's and seeing and John <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, it's a bit boring. Mm. It's like, you know, this is this mm. is not normal life. Oh, and for me, there was no decent Indian restaurant. So that was it. We had to leave. We absolutely had yes. to leave. I could not get a decent curry there. So you get everything else, but not a decent curry. Oh that's mm. just, no, can't live here anymore. But while we were there, I um, found
1: I found I found a similar thing here in Naples. But it actually prompted me to research and make my own, and um, ah, okay. I'm I'm getting quite good at that because I couldn't, I couldn't, you couldn't, um, you, you can't survive. I, I agree no, with you. You need a career, I need a career not. week. <laughs> yes, but I too. have to make my
2: own here. <laughs> uh, well, that's what I resorted to. But while we were there, of course, that's when I started to do a lot more traveling. You know, uh, volunteer training around the world. Um, and so I was packing my bag, and that's where I started, you know, packing my bag and going off and saying, Bye, I'm off to, where <laughs> am I off to? Oh, South Sudan. Oh, no, I'm not. Now I'm going to um, the Emirates. So that was very exciting. And I've met fantastic colleagues all over the world, teachers and particularly love working with teachers directly. Um, and I've met lots and lots of teachers around the world who are just as passionate and uh, want to do the best for the children that they work with. Uh, yeah, have been very lucky.
1: Um, extraordinary. Do you have a favorite project? So one that you really hold close to your, to your yes. heart? or
2: Yes, mm. Palestine. Palestine. Tell me about it. Well, um, Palestine because um, when I first started, I was invited by Macmillan um, to to write English for Palestine grades 1 to 6. So I had to do lots of visits to Palestine. Um, I didn't know very much about it. Um, I obviously researched over the years more and more and I've I've, you know, found out more through all the conflicts that have happened since then. But mm. I met so many fantastic people, and I travelled more or less all over. The only place I haven't visited is Gaza, which is a real pity. But I am in touch still with the people that I worked with, the supervisors and the teachers I met. Um, I also do voluntary work with the Hands Up project that Nick Bilbra Mm -hmm. started, you know, the drama, which I love working Mm. on. And um, I've done training for them recently for UNRWA, which is based in Gaza. Um, We did a three day, six hour training on letters and sounds and early literacy. Um, So. I feel because I wrote the course book, I, which they're still using, I feel very much connected to them and mm-hmm. I will support those teachers, whatever, Yeah, you know, I understand what they've been through. Um, I empathize. I just feel, you know, disempowered that there's nothing we can do. I, 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 I'm, I'm rather sad and disappointed that, you know, the world can jump up and down because of what's happening in Ukraine yet a very (laughs) similar thing has been going on in Palestine for years and for a very long time for a very long time and you know nobody's jumping up and down and saying you know I'm going to open my door to Palestinian refugees and it's just it you know double standards really and it's wrong it's just wrong
3: uh, I, th- yes. I think
1: it's a glo- it's a global issue really isn't it Wendy we need yes. to be we need a much kinder world and we need more people like you in it well <laughs> doing
2: you know it's it, it's outing when you when you see a situation like that it is not keeping quiet about it it's outing that and saying this is not right why do you have double standards you know it's just wrong mm-hmm. um and so i will not keep my mouth shut if i see something that i feel is just not right um uh, south sudan also you know there's horrendous things happening there um the newest country in the world such early hopes mm. um but then realizing actually maybe every single country has to go through those traumas, the power struggles. Um you know, even the UK, if you look back historically, had you know, between its called United Kingdom, but the kings all fought against each other, it was all power struggle, land grabbing. And unfortunately, it seems to be mankind's path. And South yes. Sudan is Following exactly that path, um, and nobody can do anything about that. So it's it's a big shame. I can see somebody, Sarah Chadris from um, Egypt. Welcome. Egypt. Another place very close to my heart, actually. Two of our daughters were born there uh, when we were posted oh, no. and I have lovely memories of uh, Cairo and the Sinai um, and Alexandria. Very, very nice memories there. Um, that, that was a fantastic posting. I've not actually gone back to work in Egypt, which I was going to, and then my mother was ill and I had to cancel it. Um, but that's somewhere that I would love to just peek back in and see you know, what it's like compared to my memories in the 1980s when we were there. That's a fascinating place. Yeah, it's a really mm. fascinating place.
1: Well, I do hope you get to travel um, soon. <laughs> I'd like to see to think of you being stuck at home. Although I do think, um, yes, the pandemic the pandemic has really changed things in terms of of who we can reach and who we can talk to. Um, and looking at the projects that you work with. The, the technology has, has changed yes. how we deliver and, and how we work so much um, yes. that it is actually able to reach many more people.
2: Well, I mean, just recently I've been crisscrossing continents. I mean, we had a project in Djibouti, assessment literacy in Djibouti, and then, and, and there were three of us, two based in the UK, one in North Macedonia, were the trainers, and then another project in Sudan. We have the uh, people involved in that project are based in the UK and in Senegal, um, and then another project in Indonesia. And so, you know, I'm, I'm crisscrossing the continent all the time. Uh, virtually yeah. and yeah, virtually. I, physici- I physically would. of course I would be able to if, if I wanted to get onto a plane and risk getting COVID and getting really ill but th- that urge to travel is not there anymore because of the potential of making myself mm-hmm. ill um, before I didn't think twice about, like, for example, Venezuela, you know, high security issues, South Sudan as well. I've been to Pakistan, again, high security issues. I never thought twice about it. I just went Mm. and I knew I would be fine. But with COVID, no, I'm not willing to risk getting sick and bringing that sickness back to my family. So, um, mm. I'm very happy to continue working as I am at the moment. And I uh, and feel yeah, really privileged to be able to uh, work with so many passionate colleagues around the world. Um, so, I think working remotely has closed, has made borders and the world much, much smaller and accessible.
1: Mm. Indeed. Um- I think we could probably talk for another hour, Wendy, but unfortunately, um, our time is up. I haven't got around to asking you any silly questions, which is normally how I finish my radio show. Um, One of them would have been, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? But I think in your case, it's probably your superpower is your ability to be in several places at the one time. Yes, um, would you say that's correct?
2: Yes, absolutely. My superpower is that. that uh, and I'm very <laughs> happy to be crisscrossing, you know, like Superman. Yep. Uh, or actually more like um, Star Trek and, you know, beaming, <laughs> beaming myself to all these different places. And I'm doing that, but remotely. And it, it's, it's fantastic. It really is. And meeting well, teachers, of course.
1: Thank you so much for coming. Um, and so lovely to ha- it's so, been so lovely to have you here and listen. And I hope you will come back again and keep us up to date with what you're doing. Um, uh, thank you so much for your time and your in- incredible, adventurous journey that is life. It's, um, it's truly extraordinary. Thank you, Wendy. And for those of you who are listening and those of you who have joined us in in the studio, thank you so much for for joining us. Next week, I'll be speaking to Peter Fuller on the same time next Wednesday. Okay, thanks again, everybody, and see you soon.
0: You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio.